NapaBroadcasting.com, the online radio home of Napa Valley College. Welcome to Napa Broadcasting and Napa Valley College Now. You know, we've talked a lot of education issues here. One of the things that we've never really had an opportunity to talk about here on Napa Valley College Now is about this incredible facility that we are all operating in and all a part of. It is my pleasure to be joined here today by Matt Christensen, who keeps all the wheels turning here at Napa Valley College. He's the Director of Facility Services, and it's my pleasure to have him here on the program. Matt, thanks for coming in. You're very welcome. It's great to have you here. First of all, talk a little bit about the size of this campus. How big is it? How many buildings, roughly? Give people, you know, a lot of people don't know how large this campus is. Well, we have approximately 150 acres here on this campus. Uh, depending on how you count, the buildings. We have approximately 40 buildings. Some of them are smaller uh, than others. We have uh, on the main campus here we have approximately 350,000 square feet of assignable square footage and gross square footage is 523,000. Then at our campus in St. Helena we have approximately 18,000 square feet uh, in two buildings uh, and 13,000 assignable square footage. And keeping all of this running in terms of the power grid, in terms of the energy, which we'll talk about, in terms of janitorial service, in terms of repairs and maintenance, talk a little bit about the scope of what's involved in all of that. Well, that's uh, uh, has proven to be a big challenge, and that's an ongoing thing because of the just the manpower that you need to keep such a large facility operating. And we've always at least from my perspective, that's always been a challenge, is having enough custodians, enough groundskeepers. Uh, for example, we're maintaining all of this property here on the main cam- campus with three full-time groundskeepers. Uh, we have approximately 14 custodians here on the main campus, and then one and a half uh, uh, FTE of staff at the campus in St. Helena. Uh, and then on the mechanic side, we have one electrician, one plumber, one HVAC, one carpenter. Uh, so that can be a challenge as well to deal with that. So it's the balance of having people that have a lot of different skills that can help each other mm-hmm. and uh, being able to have the resources to bring in people from the outside for the for the repairs that are larger in scope or more complicated or that you only need maybe once a year or once every two years. And, of course, the other part of it is that while there are some new buildings here on campus, the library and a few others, a lot of these buildings are not uh, new. I mean, they take a lot of maintenance. Exactly. The campus first, the original buildings were built in the early 60s, and uh, we still have some infrastructure and some mechanical equipment that is original to this campus. Uh, And so that's the magic of keeping that stuff going and replacing it or repairing it when it's needed. And, of course, we all know that uh, repairing things is always tough these days. Everybody just wants you to replace it. Exactly. And, we, and we've seen, uh, and I think this is true, that everybody can relate to this, that things aren't built the same that they used to be. Uh, whether it's your home wash machine or dryer, uh, the same holds true if it's a, a chiller or air handler or something like that. And, and what we found is is that the economy has changed, so uh, new versions come out all the time and things are outdated. And so you can't always find that part that you used to be able to find on the right. shelf somewhere. Now you need to replace the unit. 
You mentioned the chiller. Talk a little bit about that, because when that came online, I remember it was before, certainly long before Napa Broadcasting, but I remember when that went in here, it was kind of state-of-the-art. It was kind of a really cool thing. Yeah, it is It is an interesting thing. So what we do is, is we make ice at night uh, when power is most affordable, and then we use that, we circulate water through that ice bank and pump it all over campus to cool the campus when the electrical charges are more uh, cost prohibitive. So we're able to avoid a lot of demand charges and use the electricity when it's cheapest off peak. Uh, so what we, we have two 450-ton chillers. Uh, during the summer, most of the time they're both running every night. Uh, at this time of the year, we might run one chiller for a few hours every two or three nights, but even in the winter, we still have some areas that we need cooling. Uh, and we make uh, over 800,000 pounds of ice. We have that wow. capability. We have 12 large tanks that we make ice in. Uh, and it, in the early 80s, we started it for just a couple of buildings, and we had a small uh, ice tank that we used, and and it was very effective, and it was a good learning experience for us. And so we thought this thermal storage is certainly a, something that we wanted to pursue, and so we ultimately did that for the whole campus. The other thing that was kind of state-of-the-art when it went in was the solar field here. It's actually 1.16 megawatt that we have over 5,000 panels that came online in May 2006. Uh, And just to kind of give you an indication uh, of how how much solar technology and the use of solar uh, energy has expanded, when that came online in 2006, we were one of the largest in the United States and in the top five in California. Within a couple of years, we were down to about 150th. And now we don't even register on there. Wow. There's a website that tracks it around the world. But at the time, it was it was a significant installation, uh, particularly in Northern California. And is it still efficient in terms of what it's doing? Is it still making the college greener in some respects? It, it is. Uh, it produces about 30%, 33% of the electricity that we use on campus. Uh, so it's still having a significant impact. Uh, as anything, over time, its efficiency drops off a little mm-hmm. bit. We haven't seen too much of that yet. Uh, life expectancy is somewhere in the 25-year range. So we're, we're approaching that halfway point uh, coming up. But it is a little bit of a challenge there. Because of the specialty and the size of the equipment, it's not something that we can work on. So we have a maintenance contract Mm -hmm. uh, to deal with those kinds of things. But it is still making a significant, uh, again, it's a cost savings for the district or cost avoidance. Right. Does it have the capability in terms of land, in terms of the equipment, to to add on to it? Or is that really the largest that it can be given the the other limitations? Uh, There... For the most parts, it's as large as it can be. One of the things that uh, the bulk of the campus is served by one meter, so that the way working with PG&E, that's a net meter. So if we produce more power on a Sunday, for example, when the campus isn't in use, we're actually putting power back on the grid. When you have a single source meter like that, you can really only have one solar setup related to that. So we have the ability, as we look down the road, there's the possibility of adding one somewhere else and using one of our smaller meters so that we can do a similar kind of setup. The other thing is technology is is improving, 
the solar panels that we have right now are not state-of-the-art anymore. Right. So uh, down the road, if we were to replace those at the end of their life, we could increase the output just by having more panels in the same footprint. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Fascinating stuff. And, of course, there's always the possibility of new buildings are built that they could have solar panels built into them, as we see with a lot of newer buildings. Exactly. And one of the things that we did with that installation as we were doing the master planning and the bond implementation, the original thought was is we would incorporate solar panels into the roof of each one of those buildings. At the time, the PG&E rebate was pretty significant, and we decided to front load it because some of those buildings weren't going to come online for another four or five years. So why not get that savings ahead of time? So what we did is, is we went for the one big solar installation instead of doing the smaller ones around campus. Mm-hmm. So in the end, it saved us more money than we would have. What are some of the, the bigger challenges? I mean, we've talked about a whole host of issues, but when you come in every day, talk about what some of the bigger challenges are in, in a facility this large that, that are really day-to-day kinds of things. Well, I think one of the things in, in that uh, for a lot of people, what they see is when they come into their space, what's the temperature? Uh, I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And we have a centralized energy management system that uh, I can check from my computer, both at home, on my telephone, and in my office. And as we were building new buildings and doing renovations, we recognized that we wouldn't always have the manpower to do everything. And as I mentioned earlier, we have one HVAC person, one electrician. So we tried to, to get as much data as we could from different points around campus. So uh, I get email updates and things. And so when people say, hey, something's, uh, I'm cold in my space or I'm hot. And so that's one of the for me, one of the first challenges is to kind of work my way through those right. to see if it's something I can do from the computer or do I need to send somebody into the field. That's actually the second thing people talk about. The first thing is parking. <laughs> well, exactly. That, that's, that is a challenge for folks is the amount of parking. And in many regards, we're landlocked, if you will. We, we, we don't have a lot of places to add additional parking. But parking is a problem everywhere, That's so true. there's some comfort in that, I'm That's sure. True. It's not the only place. That's true. Talk a little bit about some of the initiatives, I mean, beyond solar, obviously, but some of the initiatives that have taken place over the years to try and be more sustainable and more green, that things that have been incorporated into even the existing infrastructure here. Well, I think one of the things, and in, in, thankfully we've gotten rain in the last few days, but the drought is, is forefront in a lot of people's minds. And one of the things that we've tried to do uh, is to be good stewards with water from the very beginning. We've tried to implement as many uh, water savings techniques as we could throughout the, uh, the remodeling in the new construction. But one of the things that we've also been very proactive in using is recycled or reclaimed water through right. Napa sanitation. Uh, we've actually jumped on board with that uh, in the early 2000s as it was available to us. And in 2008, we added reclaimed water for the athletic fields. So we've made a substantial savings in the amount of water that we use uh, uh, from the city of Napa. In fact, just in the last six, seven years, we've saved over 68 million gallons of water, which is a tremendous amount. Uh, So from that standpoint, uh, I think we were ahead of it. The chancellor's office, for example, and uh, at the governor's request, is trying to get all the community colleges to implement water savings. 
and they've been using 2012 as their baseline. And uh, I made the plea, hey, we started saving in 2008 and in 2004. Please give us credit for that substantial savings that we did then. Uh, We've certainly investigated, uh, as I mentioned, the chiller plant uh, has been very helpful to divert uh, our time of use for electricity. Uh, So the peak period for electricity is really from noon to 6.30 during the day. Partial peak is from 8.30 in the morning until noon and then again until 9.30 at night. And so we make ice from 10.15 at night until 7.30 in the morning. So we try to do that, shed that power uh, to that point. The other thing is is that uh, Prop 39 funding from the state has allowed us to do some energy efficiency programs. Uh, We're now in year three, so we've been making conversions to LED lighting. So uh, year one we did the parking lot and walkways at the St. Helena campus. We did the lighting in the main gym and also the tennis courts. This last summer, we did uh, over 400 light fixtures on the main campus in the parking lots and the walkways. This this year that we're in right now, we're going to be looking at uh, doing some classroom retrofits with LED lighting. And fortunately, that's a, essentially no cost to the district. It's coupled state money, coupled with uh, PG&E rebates. Over the last seven years, we've been fortunate enough to get uh, over $170,000 in PG&E rebates wow. for some of these larger projects, but then also the smaller ones, too. So we try to take advantage of that whenever we can. And in an institution this size, talk about this sense of, of difference that makes in, in, in really dollars or percentages, I mean, switching over that much to LED. Well, just uh, just in the last, what we're projecting right now is is that we're saving over 600,000 kilowatt hours a year, which is, you know, is pretty substantial. Uh we're on commercial rates, again, depending on – it's not directly comparable to what a homeowner uh, pays for their electricities. But that's a $60,000 savings. So if you can do that, and then some of the savings that we've done on the natural gas side, you know, we're saving 16,000 therms a year by some of the things that we've done. So that's a significant – impact, you know, that starts saving enough money, whether that's a person's salary or whatever else, you know, it does have an impact on the institution. Mm-hmm. And is it in your purview and your responsibility also the, the ball fields, the athletic fields and everything that goes along with that? We, we certainly work to maintain those fields, yes. Mm-hmm. And finally, because everybody that seems to visit here asks this, and you must get asked this question all the time, this green bog that's out back here, what is that all about? People, I can't even tell you how many people ask me that. I never have an answer. So what we actually refer to it as a detention pond. It's not, uh, it's not any more glamorous than a green bog, but uh, the way that our watershed works here on campus is, is that uh, all of the campus parking lots and the buildings and all of the grounds drains down to that lower level. We also are, we end up being the collection point for a lot of the water that comes from the state hospital in the hills across the road. It runs across the street, comes down through a small creek, goes to that pond and then runs through the city pond and the ponds at the golf course and then eventually runs to the river. So that pond was initially created when the campus was built. It was expanded on a, in a wide spot in the creek to 
be a place where sediment and runoff from the parking lots and the buildings could kind of settle out before it went to the river. Uh, a few years ago, as one of our projects, we uh, created a riparian corridor that's next to the tennis courts that used to be uh, a buried culvert uh, that was silted up. We opened that up and made it more of a natural wetland area, and we also did some dredging in that pond. And ever since we've done that dredging in the pond, it prefers to be green. So, uh, unfortunately, it's just one of the things that we deal with. Well, it's good to know, and yeah. I thank you so much for telling us. Matt Christensen, Director of Facility Services here at Napa Valley College, thanks so much for spending some time with us. You're very welcome. You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com.